Welcome, everyone, to It's a Rap with Rap podcast. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Sylvester Jenkins III, a native of Columbus, Georgia, a man of many titles, devoted husband and father of four children, retired Army First Sergeant, combat veteran with four tours of duty in Iraq and one in Afghanistan, 21 years of service, self-published author and a mental health advocate and professional speaker. Sylvester has accomplished measurable results under extreme pressure while leading teams of multiple personnel in dynamic, fast-paced, and hostile environments. Sylvester is a recipient of multiple awards for outstanding performance and professionalism while in the military. He completed the Master of Resilience training course from the Leader Development Division at the University of Pennsylvania. He is a member of the National Society of Leadership and Success. He received his Bachelor of Science degree from Columbia Southern University in organizational leadership, and he is certified in advanced and executive leadership and youth mental health first aid. He has authored the books, A Quick Cure to Successful Leadership, Winning the Battle Within, and The Compass Leaders Navigate Change. His brand continues to help the next generation to become resilient leaders that triumph in life. Sylvester is no stranger to adversity. He grew up in a low-income single-parent home surrounded by gang violence in a drug-infested neighborhood where a young man was only expected to do three things, die, go to jail, or make it out by luck. He struggled in school and his teachers discouraged him. He endured a painful divorce while in combat, which caused him to hit rock bottom and he overcame other adversities. Beating the odds with no luck, but all hard work and determination, he can now call himself a combat veteran, first-generation college graduate, accomplished speaker, and best-selling author. Sylvester is a phenomenal author and speaker who has empowered numerous people by helping them reach their goals, both personally and professionally. Welcome, Sylvester, to the podcast. Thank you, Ron. I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, that was a, a very uh, inspiring introduction. I greatly appreciate that. I, I, t- <laughs> I tell you, I was, I was happy to do it. First off, I want to say, uh, and I speak, I know I speak for my audience, thank you so much for your service to our country. I know I speak for everyone, uh, our appreciation uh, for you serving to protect all of us. Uh, I'd like to start at the beginning. uh, Sylvester, can you describe to us uh, your early years growing up in Columbus, Georgia, your family, the neighborhood, and uh, your school experience, and what state of mind were you in at that time? Uh, Absolutely. So uh, I came from humble beginnings. Uh, Grew up in a single-parent home, like you said. Uh, During that time frame, uh, suffered a lot of hardships. Um, my mother used to take us to work with her. She used to, she was a high school dropped out. She worked at a, a mill uh, for over 20 years. But during the time that she couldn't find childcare, she'd take us to work with her and we'll sleep in the parking lot in the car where she worked at. Wow. So, so this was back in the 80s. So, you know, it yeah. wasn't social media or cell phone. You could, you could get away with that now. You can't <laughs> get away with that now. <laughs> right. And then, uh, so you can just imagine how like, we got with entertainment, you know, me and my siblings. Um, yeah. Just going through that, uh, just we felt like uh, connected at the same time. It was kind of rough for us because we we knew of the struggle. It was times where we went to bed hungry. It was times that we didn't have uh, electricity or water. So it was uh, a tough time for us as children, but we all stayed together. 
But uh, just going through the motions of dealing with that, um, you know, at school progress, just dealing uh, with that identity issues as far as not having a male figure present in my life and right. then uh, not being able to show my emotions. So I suppressed a lot of pain that I dealt with because my mother was doing the best that she could to raise men, you know, and it takes a man to really raise a man, in my opinion, or just to have that presence to know what a man truly is. So definitely. It was kind of a struggle for me to just really find myself. So I dealt with a lot of those issues and uh, started running with gangs, started doing drugs. And in the process of me doing that, hanging out with these individuals, I was just trying to find acceptance. I was just trying to find uh, my personality and who I was. And I felt like they accepted me for who I was and what I did. But what I realized was that it was a bad choice for me after uh, I got into multiple incidents as far as being in trouble. Uh, and then school, I failed multiple times in school. I failed the fourth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, 10th grade, 10th grade summer school, and the 12th grade. Okay, so, so for some reason, I got to ask you, well, why are you failing every other year? <laughs> I, I, your guess is good as mine. I, I, I just uh, couldn't get it together. It just seemed like uh, this wasn't the way for me. I had no interest in school. I right. knew when it came to selling drugs, I, you know, I was just looking for, for the money. Sure. And I, everybody that I seen that was making money was out in the streets. So, yeah. ooh, you like, this ain't gonna help me. This ain't right. gonna put food on the table. I'm trying to survive. I'm looking at tomorrow. I'm trying to, you know, live for the next day. And the only way I get there, if I go out here and I hustle and sell drugs or run with the gangs and learn what I need to do in order to survive. And that's what I did. And then my teachers, I had this English teacher tell me just literally that, uh, I didn't have what it takes and that I wasn't college material. And like I tell everybody, your words create worlds. They say life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when she told me that, I just felt like I was unworthy when it came down to being intelligent, smart, or just having an opportunity to go to school at, at another level outside of high school. So yeah, I to, to, to me, that's the worst thing a teacher could ever tell anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I wanted to drop out right there. I just wanted to give up. But the only thing that made me stay in school was the fact that my mother, she was very big on school. You know, the American dream. Yeah. Go to college, get a house, all those things, nice job, so on and so forth. So she never graduated high school. She was a high school dropout due to motherhood because she got pregnant at 16 with my older brother. So she was always big on education. So the only reason why I even tried to graduate high school it was because I wanted to make her proud. I just wanted to let her know that her, her uh, sacrifices didn't go unjust. So I kept on pushing through in order to make sure I gave her that. But uh, I just didn't think I was smart enough to go to college from what I experienced. So I chose to join the military instead. So that was a little bit about my childhood and you know my family and my way of life during that time. So uh, yeah, tell us about that, that motivation to, to, to join the military. What, 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 what was the impetus for that? Oh, what, so, what prompted you? So what prompted me was the fact, like I said before, I, I did not want to work in the mill. Right. I wanted to find my purpose and a way out of what I, the environment that I in. I started to have a reality check with myself due to the fact of my mother. I just didn't want to be a statistic. I really wanted to make her proud. I really wanted to do everything in my power to let her know her sacrifices of working countless 12 hour shift for minimum wage, then go unjust. So my brother, he was in the streets heavy, 
Uh, my older brother, he was in the streets heavy. So he was always in trouble. He was always in and out of jail doing those type of things. So I was like, I didn't want to be the next person to fall into that ram because she was already stressed out dealing with that, trying to provide for us. And then also having a kid that was in and out of uh, the system. So I was like, I got to change the narrative in some type of way. I got to make my mother proud. I got to make her know that her, her sacrifices don't go unjust. So that was kind of my motivation to join the military. And when I, uh, <clears throat> and so initially I tried to join pretty much every branch of the military. Oh, really? Yeah. So initially I tried to join the Navy. I took the ASVAB and I failed it. So of course I was like, well, I gave up on that one. So let me go to the next one. So I went to the Air Force and I failed the ASVAB again. So I'm starting to think that like, hey, man, am I really dumb? You know, am I really stupid? Am I too dumb for the military? Well, I got to ask you a question now. I'm, I'm real familiar. Uh, we were talking off camera uh, with Columbus, Georgia. Right. And I got to tell you, it's Fort Benning. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, I just wonder why, why are the Navy and the Air Force when you got the armies right there? Yeah, so everybody was suggesting that uh, I try to do something different. I had yeah. other family members, you know, uncles and yeah. uh, cousins that went in in the army. Yeah, so I, and it was always like, "Don't don't join the army. Don't join." The army. <laughs> okay, it's not good. So yeah. I was like, "Okay, cool." So I tried to join the other branches. I went okay. to the Marines. They didn't even give me a shot. They didn't really? give me no opportunity at all. I treated it like baseball. I was like. Three strikes and you out. So I'm gonna give it one more shot. So I went to the to the uh, Marine recruiter, and then give give me no shot. So I like, oh, that's a foul ball. So I had a friend of mine who suggested the army. I was like, this is <laughs> I, I ain't got no other choice. So I went and talked to the army recruiter, and he said, I guarantee I get you in. There you so, go. <laughs> yeah. Never so, give up. Never give yeah. up. <laughs> nope. Never give up. So just so happened. As you speak on uh, Fort Benning, I went to basic training at Fort Benning, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> so it was right there. So it was just crazy how everything fell into place like that. But it was a struggle. And you could see that, like, every time I fell down, I got right back up again. Right. And, uh, right. It got me to a point to where I am today. And that's what this podcast is all about, just giving people hope and inspiration. Now, adversity sets in during these deployments. Uh, can you tell us... Uh, <clears throat> about, about I don't know what order the deployment was in, but uh, I know there was, uh, there was a divorce and there was some uh, drug and alcohol use and some yeah. suicide ideation, if you, if you can right. expound on that. Yeah, so uh, on my third deployment to Iraq, um, I went there, uh, I was in a leadership position. Uh, I never considered myself to be a leader at no point in time. I always considered myself to be a follower that transitioned into a manager. I feel there's a big difference between the two. And yeah. uh, I, I, I felt like I, I could never do or have what it takes in order to be a leader. But it was one soldier that had uh, introduced me to his family right, right before the deployment. And um, during the time of us talking, he was talking about how I motivated him, inspired him, and did all these things. It was just like his whole entire family, his mother, his father, his wife, and his kids. And uh, in the process of us getting ready to board the plane, his mother tugs on my shirt and pulls me to the side. And when she pulled me to the side, she said, uh, please take care of my son and to bring him back home safe. And so, you know, for somebody outside of my family to have that much trust in me, it yeah. kind of looked fire in me. It kind of inspired me to like want to fulfill this obligation 
of being a leader. So, you know, that's when the mind shifted at, at that point, as far as like trying to figure out exactly what I need to do in order to fulfill this requirement that this woman has for me. And uh, when I got over there, I was uh, already in the process of separating from uh, my wife, my, my wife at that time. And um, when we was going through that whole process, it was kind of hard for me because I was just in a sunken place. It, yeah. it felt like the, the sun would never shine again. Every day was cloudy. The rain was just pouring. And I was like, why me? Why me? And um, while I was over there on that deployment, you can only imagine the things that you got to deal with while you're over there because you got to keep the, the the focus. You you never have a time to process anything because one day it can cost you your life. You know, we can be like hanging out one day, going to uh, the dining facility to eat. And then I could be going to that same person that I went to the dining facility with their memorial service. We go out on these roads and when we go out on these roads, we get hit by IEDs. And then we got to go back out on these same roads like a week later. So you never get an opportunity to process all the pain that you go through, all the hurt, all those things that you deal with while you're out there. This is 365 days of being in a hazardous environment. Sure. 24 seven. So every morning you wake up, it could be your last. So to deal with that. Let me take a moment out of the podcast to tell you about a unique product, Sour Honey. Sour Honey is produced in a small desolate area in the Brazilian jungle located in the Amazon mountains. Scientists believe that the honey from this region is so pure because it was never tampered with for thousands of years, partially because it is not mass produced in large quantities, unlike regular honey. Therefore, sour honey is considered to be one of the rarest honeys on earth. Sour honey has brought a premium quality, all natural Brazilian honey to market. The product is filled with several micronutrients and antioxidants that are perfect for everyday use and lives on the go. Honey from Brazil is best known for its purity, taste, and floral sources. This is a high quality organic honey with guaranteed freshness. Sour honey is immune boosting and energizing and does not contain any added or artificial ingredients like artificial sweeteners that are found in other products. Sour honey is a great option for those looking for a complete and energizing nutritional support to perform better in their everyday life. Sour honey can be used in making honey tea, desserts, and in a variety of smoothies. There is no expiration date for this product. Sour honey should not be given to children under the age of one. Please note, Results may vary from person to person with the usage and consumption of sour honey and is not guaranteed. Consult your doctor for medical advice. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. For ordering information, testimonials, contact information to ask questions, go to www.sourhoney.com. When ordering, please use the code 50 sour to be sure you get $50 off the already discounted price. Keep your immune system at 100%. Information pertaining to the product will be listed in the podcast notes. Go through a divorce, then come back home. Now it's hard for me to figure out between possibility and probability because I've been in this environment so long, it became like a habit. So certain things that I've seen or dealt with whenever I'm on the road, Whenever I'm in certain situations at restaurants, I'm always trying to look behind me. I'm always have situational awareness going on. So um, just going through that, it, I've resorted to drugs and alcohol to try to suppress the pains that I was dealing with. And <clears throat> I had a moment where I had uh, 
thought about like, what if I end this all right now? What if I just let go? I won't be dealing with none of the things that I'm dealing with, all the thoughts that are going on in my head, all the people that I lost, all the, you know, the situation of me feeling like a failure as far as marriage go, my yeah. kid, the, so on and so forth. All these thoughts was running through my brain, all these thoughts. And I was like, man, I'm going to just end it right here. And then uh, the next thing you know, what happened was I received a phone call from my mother. And when I received this phone call from my mother, she told me that my son needed some pampers. And this is how everything changed. My, she told me my son needed some pampers because I was out and about. And she was staying with me during the time because she was watching. Uh, so I was out and about. She said, my son needed some pampers. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna get him some pampers. She's like, he on his last one. You know, she fussing. She on his last one, so I need you to hurry up. So at that time, I started thinking about it. Like if I end my life right here, right now, my son would be a statistic just like I was. He'd end up in the same situation growing up without his father. And I'll just repeat the cycle. I said, yeah. I can't do it like that. I can't do that to him. He don't deserve that. And I need to do whatever it takes to be in his life. And that's when another shift for me at that moment in time, like, I had to make that commitment. I had to make that, uh, I had to take ownership of every situation that I was in and what I was going through and really try to figure out a way to win this battle that I was dealing with, with my mind. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you got out of that rock bottom. Uh, I know there was another deployment where you were in charge of 160 personnel and you were having, uh, accidents and things like that. And I know, uh, your mother's health was an issue. Can you talk about that? Right, absolutely. That was uh, actually 2019. Uh, 2019, I went on a deployment. And uh, during that deployment, I was uh, the first sergeant at the time. And I was in charge of an organization. And uh, we was running missions. And uh, we was having multiple accidents. We was, uh, we was always getting all uh, caught up in situations where we were never uh, in a predicament of where we could see the light dealing with everything that we had going on. So a lot of the soldiers that I had was brand new, uh, fresh out of basic and AIT. This is their first time being away from home. So of course, you know, that uh, that fear set in and then also just that, uh, that, that feeling of not being able to be home with their loved ones and all these things. So I started to have a lot of soldiers that had suicide ideation, wanted to go seek behavioral health and we started losing soldiers. So our manpower started minimizing. And so um, next thing you know, dealing with that, I was also dealing with marital issues because the separation between me and my spouse during that time, um, and we was going through a rough patch. And so my kids, and then they was at an age now where they knew like, hey, daddy could go and not come back. Before they was just so young, they didn't understand. It was just like, he going on vacation, he'll be right back. Right. But now they're teenagers, so they really understand like, man, it's a possibility he might not come back. So I was dealing with that. And then I got a phone call from my brother. And he said, hey, man, like uh, mom's in the hospital. She had been in and out of the hospital. So she had breast cancer. and But she beat it. So I took it this as a moment of like, when she got through that, she'll get through this too. So she was diagnosed with a uh, stage four uh, <clears throat> kidney failure. And um, they luckily they revived her. Of course, during that, when I got the news, I was like, no, 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 not right now. Not while I'm here. Right. While I'm doing these things. So it was like, this is my rock. This is the champion. This is, you know, my go-to whenever I'm going through anything. This is the person that I look towards to get me out of certain situations. She can't leave me right now. I need her. Right. So 
<clears throat> just going through all those things, I felt like, you know, back in the position that I was when I went on that third deployment. And um, I caught myself in a moment where like, I really need to figure out like what I need to do. I couldn't take it anymore. I, I realized that Superman, even Superman had to be Clark Kent. But when I was going through that whole process, I got an opportunity to come back home and spend two weeks with her. And when I spent those two weeks with her, uh, that was the last time I really got to see my mother. Like um, when I went through that, that whole situation, I came back from that, uh, that leave that I was on emergency leave. I came back and then I got the opportunity to get back into the fight, but I was depleted. I couldn't do it no more. I just, I felt depressed. I felt uh, deflated. I felt like, why me? I was like bewildered. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I can't do this no more. I said, I can't, I, I, I gotta let this go. I, I like, I can't give a hundred percent to these soldiers. I can't be in front of these soldiers because I don't want to give that image of, you know, like first sergeant in front of the formation, but he don't have no motivation. He don't have no energy. He's not interacting like he used to. Something gotta be wrong. Cause like we project things as leaders that can rub off on our soldiers. So I tried to prevent myself from portraying that or projecting that in any kind of way, because I still wanted them to continue to progress and move forward with everything that we have going, going on while we was out there. So I chose to step back and go seek behavior health. And when I seek behavior health, I literally like kicked down the door because I had stopped eating. I couldn't sleep. I was just felt like I was going through so much, the stress, the anxiety, all those things got to me while I was over there. And so when I went over there, I kicked down the door and told them, hey, I haven't slept in 48 hours. I really need something right now. Whatever medication you got, I don't care what it is. I need it right now. And they was like, calm down, calm down. I like, no, don't tell me what to do. Give me what I need. Because I said, this is anything that I have going on right now. It's just, you know, I was just in a rut. So I was in there fussing. They calmed me down, took me to the back of the room, sat down, and we started like going through the motions of everything that I was dealing with. And uh, once I got out of there, I had to uh, figure out, I sat down with myself pretty much. I asked myself two questions. I said like, say, you try to be a phenomenal leader. You try to be a phenomenal husband, father. You try to do everything in your power to be the best for everybody else. But who are you for yourself? And I was like, man, I never thought about that. I lost myself and everything that was transpiring and going on. I never took an opportunity to find myself. And that's when everything changed for me. I started trying to, you know, make sure that I was good when it came down to my health, my mental, physical, all those things. And when I did that, I noticed that it's just like when you board a plane, you know how the stewardess give you all those directions. They said, don't assist nobody else with their mask until you put on your own oxygen mask. And that's right. exactly what I did. I put on my own oxygen mask and I noticed things started to change. Sylvester, uh, you won a lot of awards in the military. Uh, what was the impetus for you winning the awards and outperforming all the others? What do, you, what do you attribute that to? I attribute that to what I call the 3D effect, uh, dedication, determination, and discipline. Uh, you know, I was dedicated behind what I was doing. I literally drunk the Kool-Aid behind just being in the military. And, you know, in order to progress, they said, like, um, it's never crowded going the extra mile. So I figured out, like, I, I guess I figured out I mastered what it took in order to be exceptional 
while I was in the military, which caused me to be able to progress faster uh, in a lot of things. Because I experienced some setbacks too, because I had uh, Article 15s while I was in the military as well. So I, I had three years into the military, I was still in the same position that I was prior to me leaving. So I was still like doing drugs. I was still doing alcohol. And um, like once I came back from that third deployment, that's when everything shifted. So that woman really inspired me to really drink the Kool-Aid and become a leader and become an asset. And once I started doing that, I created the 3D effect and just continue to keep that in my mind and my forefront as I went along in the military. So there's four tours of duty in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. Can you tell us uh, the mindset one has to have uh, to survive that environment and tell us what military experiences uh, helped you develop into a more resilient person? Uh, absolutely. So I always tell people you got to have a championship mindset. Like uh, every champion was once a contender that never gave up. There's so many people that was uh, a boxer and they had like so such phenomenal talent, but they didn't have the mind frame in order to figure out everything they need to do in order to remain in the position to make it to the top. And uh, a lot of things that you experience while you're in the military dealing with your mindset can affect you in so many ways. So you got to be able to react, be uh, proactive, reactive, and flexible. Now, two of your books uh, are on the Amazon Top 100 list, a great achievement. Uh, congratulations for that. Winning the Battle Within uh, is one of them. What inspired you to write that book? So Winning the Battle Within, like what inspired me to write the book was all the things that I went through just in my life in general. Uh, you know, just dealing with all those things, I noticed that the secret ingredient that got me through a lot of those things was resilience. And when I started to dive deep into what resilience was and everything that they, that it consists of and how it was able to benefit you in the long run, I always tell people the biggest enemy that you will ever face in life is your enemy, your mind. And so Correct. Whenever, you're, whenever you're fighting it, whenever you're going through it, I wanted to teach people psychological resilience. Because I think when the pandemic struck, this is something that could have been beneficial to everybody in the world. Yeah. Everybody. Because we was all, all over the place when it came down to our mental health. So um, I wrote the book, Winning the Battle Within, to give people tips and strategies, not only that, but relatable information to help them to go through everything that they're going through so they can win the war on the world just as much as the battle on their mind. What, what was the journey like for you to become a professional speaker? So the journey for me, it, it, it kind of fell in my lap, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I did a podcast, uh, was talking about my book, A Quick Cure to Successful Leadership, and the guy thought my story was inspiring. So he asked me if I ever thought about becoming a speaker. And I said, man, I never thought about becoming a speaker because I never knew of anyone that was a speaker. And so I started doing my research and that's when I found about Les Brown, uh, Bob Proctor, uh, you know, uh, Jim Rohn, all these guys. Uh, and I started studying them. Zig Ziglar is one of my favorites. But when I started studying these guys, I said, I can do that. And um, just so happened, you know, you got to make your way to the top when it comes down to doing that. So I got me a coach, uh, Jeremy Anderson, who is one of the, uh, the the top motivational speaker in the education industry. I got with him and he started uh, showing me techniques and strategies in order to get in schools, in order to, you know, help the next generation. So that's what I've been doing ever since. So Sylvester, developing the next 
generation is what you profess on your social media posts and your tagline is, I help the next generation to become resilient leaders that triumph in life. What is the importance of resilience to you? Uh, absolutely. The the importance of resilience to me is uh, just simply, uh, if I could give an analogy. So um, you got a car, right? Yep. So you drive a car pretty much every day. So I want you to think about driving this car down a a dirt road or uh, a messed up road that has potholes, speed bumps, and all these things on it, right? Right. When you hit these speed bumps or you hit these potholes, um, the shock absorbers on your car is resilience. Without those shock absorbers, whenever you hit those bumps, whenever you hit those potholes, it can be very excruciating. But once you have that resilience on there, those shock absorbers, yeah. you stick with those bumps, those potholes, but the impact won't be as severe. That's the importance of resilience. That's a good way of putting it. That's an excellent way of putting it. Uh, you've also spoken about uh, some of your lectures I've seen uh, GPS, goals, purpose, and strategy. Would you please share your thoughts uh, and, and your work on this subject with us? Absolutely. So like going back to a car, like how often do you use your GPS to get you to a destination that you've never been before? All the time. All the time, right? Right. So if we do that whenever we're, we're going anywhere in this world, why we won't do that with our lives? Why we won't do that with our careers? So I developed this acronym called GPS in order to help people uh, figure out, uh, create a vision that gets results. You know, it's com it comes down to a point where like when, whenever you use your GPS to get you to those points or that destination, it's achievable regardless of how you see it. Like if you look at a map, a map and a goal has the same purpose. They provide direction. You know, it's a, it's a destination on those maps, just like it is when it comes down to your goals. And when you look at this, you're like, okay, how can I get here? All right. So when you have a goal, when you understand, when you know your goals and you understand your purpose and you have a strategy in order to achieve it, there's no reason why you can't reach your destination. This is why everybody needs a GPS in their life. That's a great way of putting it. Where, where Sylvester, uh, does faith enter into overcoming adversity? Uh, faith is one of the biggest things that you can ever have whenever it comes to dealing with adversity. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And, uh, I know that, uh, I'm God's greatest form of creation on this earth. And, uh, without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. And by me having that belief, by me having that, that strong faith, it, 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 it changes the narrative when it comes to being optimistic behind what you're created to do, who you are and everything that you are striving to be. Because once you know who you are, because we're made in his likeness and his image. So mm -hmm. I know by everything that I think about, like he gave us free will over this earth. And when you think about that, like you look at all the animals on this earth, we've been given dope, uh, you know, domain over everything. Right. Like, when we literally think about that, like if you sit here and you don't get like motivated or inspired by thinking about like if a lion sees an eagle, he cannot, he's not going to sit there and be like, I can fly just like that eagle. But man can, us as humans can, we can fly planes, we can fly jets, we can yeah. think of all the things that we can do in order to create that, in order to make that happen. So we can be in the sky just like those eagles are. We can soar just like they do. So if we're able to do this, 
why shouldn't we have a strong sense of faith in order to get us through those uh, the troubling times that we might face when it, when it comes to adversity? Well put. Can you talk about to our audience about investing in yourself? Absolutely. Uh, I heard a quote by Jim Run that says, if you work on a job, you'll make a living. But if you invest in yourself and work on yourself, you'll make uh, you'll make a fortune. And when he said that, I thought about it. Like when you actually take the opportunity to focus on your personal and professional development, investing yourself in doing that, whatever it takes, when it comes down to your spiritual, your physical, your mental, your social, all these things, when you focus on these things, you can't help but to escalate and grow behind the things that you're doing which you invest in yourself. Sylvester, what are your thoughts on why we as people were put here to do what we were meant to do? In other words, why we were created for a purpose? Absolutely. So like I said before, everyone was created on purpose for a purpose with a purpose. Right. Like when it comes to you being a servant on this earth, we're all put here to serve at some capacity. Like what you do right now, you're serving the people who lost the sense of motivation, who lost the sense of hope. They need inspiration. And by you doing what you're doing, you're fulfilling the purpose. You're fulfilling the requirement that God placed you on this earth to do. Regardless of what you're going through and got going on, it should give you a phenomenal feeling on the inside to be like, man, I'm making an impact. I'm doing what I'm served to do, a purpose to do on this earth. Absolutely. Love, 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 love the, the, the feeling of I'm helping somebody. Exactly. I don't know how many I'm helping, but I might, but I'm helping somebody out there. Exactly. There's nobody on this earth that feels bad when they help someone. Right. Right. Now you wrote the book, The Compass Leaders Navigate Change. Can you tell us about that book and why did you write it? Yes, sir. So when it came to me writing this book right here, uh, <clears throat> it's mainly for expiring managers to help them become phenomenal leaders. So like I said before, there's a difference between managers and leaders. Managers pretty much knows the job. A leader is somebody that influenced people that are around them in order to become, they empower others to become leaders. Because like I said before, you your purpose as a leader is to turn followers into leaders. And that's what leaders do. And this book helps though, they give them common tools that they can use in order to be that phenomenal leaders to make an impact within their organization and be greater than where they were before. And I understand, uh, Tui, like I said, two of your books are in the top 100 Amazon, right. Amazon list, which is phenomenal. Uh, what words of wisdom can you give those out there listening to this podcast, uh, struggling with their challenges to overcome them? What words of wisdom can you give them? So I, I'm going to give them a, a quick tool that they can use in order to really get through those challenges that they might be dealing with at this moment in time. It sounds and, good. And so what they can do is a real quick and easy tool. They can write out everything that they're stressed and worried about. They write it down on paper. And then once you write it down on paper, start to put a line through everything that you can't control and focus on everything that you can control. And once you start knocking those things out, you'll build that confidence in order to push through and carry on through whatever mess that you're going through during that time. Wow, that's great advice. Now, you're, you're a mental health advocate. Can you tell us about your advocacy 
Uh, did the pandemic play a role in it? And any tips you can give our audience uh, to get our health, mental health back to where it should be or where we want it to be? What can we do? Yes. So uh, like May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So it's the perfect opportunity for anybody who doesn't know any information dealing with mental health to just go on social media because you can even go to my page. I'm posting all kinds of tips and strategies that'll help you to uh, have better advice uh, when it comes to your mental health. But overall, uh, mental health is wealth. Mental health is wealth. It's, it's, it's just as big as physical health because everything starts in the mind. When we deal with these childhood adverse uh, experiences, when we deal with trauma, when we go through all these things, Everything starts with the mind first. And the best way we can do that is by focusing on the mind. And, and uh, the pandemic had a lot to do with that because I was at the end of my rope again one, at one point in my life because I had retired from the military. So the steady paychecks that I was receiving had stopped. So I was going through financial hardship. I was on the verge of losing my house. My mother just passed away. I was still going through issues, dealing with my marriage, trying to fix everything, dealing with that. I was trying to reconnect with my kids. So it was just one thing after another. And my mental health was all over the place. And so I had to really reevaluate everything that I was experiencing and going through. And when I did that, I noticed I, it was something called the three R's. It was recognize, reflect, and release. Let me say that for you one more time. Recognize, reflect, and release. I recognized the situation that I was going through. And once I recognized it, I reflected on everything that transpired during that time. And I did exactly the strategy that I just gave you. And I started writing down everything that I was dealing with. And I started focusing on the things that I could control and the things that I could not control. I focused on them a lot later. And as I started to progress and knock out a lot of those things that I was focusing on, I started to gain that confidence and I started to develop myself even more. And once I did that, I released everything that I was experiencing, all the, the, uh, the built up frustration, the anxiety, the depression, it started to leave me at that time. And uh, also I noticed that I should have had an attitude of gratitude because although I was going through this hardship and these circumstances and situation, I had ample amount of time with my kids. I had ample amount of time with my wife. Everything that I had asked for, I had received because we was on quarantine. <laughs> we was on wow. quarantine for a long period of time. So you didn't have no opportunity but to reflect, I mean, but to connect with your family during that time. And that was the perfect opportunity. So what I noticed that it wasn't, uh, 2020 wasn't the year of getting what I wanted. It was the year of being appreciative of what I already had. So when I thought about that, I said, man, I need to always have an attitude of gratitude because it increased my fortitude. Ah, yes. Yeah. You always have to be, uh, you know, grateful for what you have, Absolutely. even despite, despite what you're, what you're going through. Sylvester, can you please leave our audience with some final words of inspiration and motivation for them? Absolutely. So I know there's a lot of people out there right now and they're running their race and they're starting to get tired. I've been there. I've been down that road where you feel like there's no way out, that you can't bounce back from whatever you're experiencing and going through. But I'm here to tell you, as long as you focus on yourself, get yourself together, make that commitment to yourself because nobody will believe in you until you believe in yourself. And once that happens, everything will change for you. So you have to put your foot on the pedal and never look back. 
This is why the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. So you need to make sure you always look forward and keep rising. Good advice, excellent advice. Sylvester, how can people contact you? So they can easily go to my website at uh, sylvesterjenkins.com or they can just go on any social media handle, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these things and, and find me on there. I mostly be on LinkedIn and Facebook, but overall you can just go to my website. And if you go to my website, you'll get a free ebook on nine ways to develop mental toughness. Wow. All right, everybody you need to get on that website at sylvesterjenkins.com, correct? Correct. I want to thank you, Sylvester, so much for being on the podcast, for sharing your story. Your work helping people, improving their lives is awesome and, and so much appreciated in this world. I wish you nothing but good fortune uh, going forward. Uh, comments and suggestions for the podcast, you can email me at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com, Facebook group and page is it's a wrap with rap, Instagram, it's a wrap with rap podcast. All the episodes are on YouTube. On my channel, it's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. And I want to thank everyone for listening. I want everybody, please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap. <laughs>